we'll start off with our partners. Mechabooks.com, professors1to1.com, and myarcview.org. These are our three proud partners, and I guess I'm partner with myself because we are, my arc view is our operation. Uh, so uh, today's topic, we're going to start, not going to finish necessarily, but we're going to start on Leilis al-Qadr. We're going to start talking about Leilat al-Qadr, and this is really always beneficial knowledge. Okay, so Leilat al-Qadr is, why is it considered the greatest of nights, and when is it, and what are its virtues, and what are its different names? Very simple. Well, first of all, Leilat al-Qadr is not a calendar date. It's a night in which an event occurred, and that event was the, de the descent of the Qur'an from Allah al-Mahfud until the first heavens the first heavens okay and there that from there Sayyidina Jibreel brought the Quran down by the command of Allah which ayah and which surah at what time the first heaven there has what Ibn Abbas called something called Bayt Al-Izza Bayt Al-Izza and Bayt Al-Izza is where it's the Kaaba that is in the first heavens that is above this world it's right above directly above this world but it's uh, that whole Every sky or samat is much more vast than this world. Prophet ﷺ said it's like a ring in a desert. And so Laylatul Qadr, again, is not a calendar night day. It's 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 called that because of a great event that happened at that time. And that event was the descent of the Quran, which is the final um, uh, sort of commandment or speech of a law of Allah Ta'ala to human beings. So that's why it's called Al-Qadr. Al-Qadr is the great value or the, the great power. Okay. So its names are, uh, why is it called Laylat Al-Qadr? Because of its, it, the, the great uh, uh, value of this night. And also because the worship on this night is multiplied to limits that um, are, are greater than any other night, which are basically the worship of a thousand months which is what they calculate as 88 and a half years. So you might ask, well, why is that? Why one, how does one night of effort equal all that time? Well, simple reason is that the human being has always been different. It's always changing. Oh, oh Ryan, is your thing in, by the way? Yeah. But it's not in here, I don't think. I only see one thing in the splitter. We have a splitter now, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. I had read that uh, maybe it was Sheikh Hamza had mentioned this before that uh, a thousand nights uh, refers to obviously a, you know, a tremendous number of blessings, but a thousand and one nights means unlimited. So with the Arabs, it was more an approximation where a thousand and one meant unlimited. So anything under that was just below maybe. unlimited. Because I know 700 for sure means like not, uh, it's not, when someone says 700, it means it's way more than a hundred, but not exactly a thousand. Something hovering around that. Um, but I'll look into that. But if if that's like an estimation, right? And one of the reasons the human beings always been changing. And in the past, human beings used to have the capacity to live a long amount of time. They used to live a long amount of time. And when they used to live a long amount of time, they also uh, used to obviously do do deeds and there's a reason why they could live a long time this earth was like empty if you think about it like most of the human existence what is that 
what's that say oh it's okay it's fine though uh most of human ex- I, I must have said something that uh got siri i must have said something like uh that that uh <laughs> brought her up so most of human existence the world earth has been almost empty you, you can just find your own patch of land and to govern was really hard you could only govern a small amount. There was no practical ability to actually govern the way we govern here. So that's one thing is that human beings could live a long time because there weren't that many humans. And secondly is that, so they used to do so much ibadah. Now, as time progressed, then Allah has willed that the humans are not going to live that long. They're not going to live five, six, seven, eight hundred years as they used to, which is what we were told. Say Prophet Nuh, for example, did dawah for... 950 years not lived 950 he did dawah for 950 so that means he had time before any time time after so in order to compensate that so now the prophet is looking at his ummah and his ummah they don't have this many years they don't live the same amount of years right so uh allah has given him a gift that we'll catch your ummah up by them doing ibadah in one in this one specific year Okay, uh, one specific night. Now they have to find the night, though. It's hidden. It's one of the nights of Ijabah that's hidden. The other ones are not hidden. They're there. Uh, we said Nisf Shaban, the first night of Rajab, the two nights before the two Eids, and then uh, the night of Juma every week. So that's one, the second reason it's called Laylatul Qadr because the ibadah in it is is multiplied. When Allah anzala fiha kitab and the Qadrin ala Rasuli ala Rasulin bi Qadrin. And that is that on this night, not only did this great event happen, a a book, a messenger, and a nation was given a status. Right, a book, a messenger, and a nation—they were all given a position that uh, previously had not existed anywhere in the world. Next, Okay, so the second reason, uh, the, another reason why it's called Laylatul Qadr is that on this night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordains what's going to happen and commands the beginning of the tanfid or the uh, uh, manifestation or actualization of person's destiny for the next year. Such that the decision is made on Nisr Shaban, the Qadah. Qada is Allah's will. Al-Qadr is the actuality of the will or the, the happening of the will, all right? the manifesting of the will. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actualizes it or decree, decrees that. It, so the decree came in Nisr Shaban, fiha yufraqu kullu amrin hakim, but then the actual tanfid of it. Now and this angel's assigned, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to go do this. And that's going to move everything into the destiny that, that Allah has written for that person. So that's why Qada and Qadr and Laylatul Qadr. Okay. Qada is the decree and Qadr is the execution of the decree. So the decree is made on the Nisr Shaban and then the execution it begins on Laylatul Qadr. So all of these reasons are why it's called Laylatul Qadr. So, of course, from its virtues is that, of course, the Qur'an was revealed, all of it on that, into Bayt um, al-Izzah on that night. But then also, the first revelation itself on that night happened. The first revelation 
also occurred on that night. Laylat, uh, so of course, being the first five verses of Surah Al-Alaq. Iqra bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. Ja'ala al-amal fiha khayran min alfi shahr. An action in it is worth more than that of a thousand months. So if you did um, ibadah of one night, it will be equivalent to a thousand months. Yanzilu fi hadhi al-layla jibreel wa ma'ahu al-malaika ila al-ardi yu'minuna that's what it is. So this is considered Al-Eid Al-Kabir for the angels. Now there's Al-Eid Al-Saghir and Al-Eid Al-Kabir. There's a small Eid and a big Eid. The small Eid is Eid Al-Fitr for us when we show the first of Shawwal. The bigger Eid is Eid Al-Adha, which is upon Hajj, which is the 10th of for the angels, they have a small Eid and a big Eid. The small Eid is Laylat al-Nisfi min Chaban. And the big Eid is Laylat al-Qadr. Why is it? Because what do the angels love and what do they? what is their source of nourishment? So when what do we do on Eid? We eat. The first Eid is called Eid al-Fitr. The second Eid is called Eid al-Adha, right? So what are we doing? We're eating. Well, what's the food of angels? The food of angels is dhikr and dua. And then Allah has permitted them all to go down and he's had the messengers come and, and promote these nights and so people are doing a lot of ibadah in them and the angels are commanded to come down and it says here Jibreel and a host of angels more than any other time in uh, in the year are permitted to come down and they sit with every believer and say Amin, Amin. they go around to different believers gatherings and individuals praying privately and they say Amin to all of his du'a. That's why their du'a is accepted. Their du'a is accepted on that night. Even if my du'a, myself, I'm not that great of a person. But the only condition is that your wealth is halal wealth. Then Allah Ta'ala will accept your du'a. And the way in which Allah could accept it either way, right? He could accept it by himself. But he's created a sabab, a means by which it gets created, accepted, which is that the angels come down and they say Amin to your du'a. You cannot waste a minute of anything that could possibly be laid to Al-Qadr all the way until Fajr. Okay. Is that it's a night of peace that Allah ordains. Al-Qadr here meaning uh, ordainment that Allah ordains in it that it's a peaceful night. And that is in fact one of the descriptions of Laylat Al-Qadr is that it's an extremely peaceful night. The ibadah flows smoothly from you, right? It goes smoothly. It's coming so easily out of you. Sometimes ibadah is hard, and sometimes you just find an opening. It's like two, three hours went by. I didn't think about like my energy levels. I didn't think about sleep. I didn't think about food. I didn't think about problems. And everyone's experiencing that. And you just see a... Uh, um, you, you see a... Is my mic in? I don't think my mic's in. Is it? There's only one. Yeah, there. Oh, it isn't. My mic's in. Okay. But yours isn't it? No, is I it? Can take it out because it's right. Okay, no problem. We'll figure it out. So the uh, ibadah comes easily. That's number one. The hearts are aligned on this night and are very peaceful with one another. Why? Because of the great presence of malaika. When malaika are present, everyone calms down. So hearts are aligned on this night. But most importantly, that when the sun rises on this night, the sun rises like a clear circle. That's the sign of Laylatul Qadr. There are no rays, right? So 
the sun rises like a circle. You just look at it and you could stare at it like a circle. That's one of the signs, the third sign of Hidayat al-Qadr. Whoever has uh, been disallowed the benefits of Laylat al-Qadr by means of ghafla or heedlessness has been deprived of the greatest good of the year. But whoever has been deprived of it due to sickness or something out of his control, while he intended the ibadah, he gets the ibadah that he intended. So one of the um, generous uh, things there about uh, if someone is sick, and they always do a certain act of worship, like tahajjud, or they do a khatam of Qur'an every day or something like that. Or they, they, they read for their khatam every day. Khatam means a completion, cover to cover. If they're sick, Allah commands the angels, write it down anyway. So let's say someone does a juz a day and a thousand salawat on the messenger a day. And they were sick. Then Allah will write, write that he did it. That's one of the acts of generosity from Allah Ta'ala. And also that in Laylat al-Qadr, if someone is sick, Write down what he would have uh, done of ibadah, what he intended. The greatest of things is, see, you have to have defense first. You have to get rid of your sins first, right? So you always have to be making istighfar. Uh, simply praying Isha in jama'ah and Fajr in jama'ah will wipe away your sins on that night. And any ibadah that you do on that night will go towards the wiping away of sins for a year. So Jum'ah does it for a month, uh, a week. Okay. Laylatul Qadr for a year. And some said everything. All minor sins for life. And then others said Hajj is minor and major sins for life, except that you still owe the debts that you owe, financial debts. So financial matters, they're, they're treated differently in the Sharia. For example, uh, if someone dies, if a Muslim dies, you have to still, it's a still against them if they owe debts to individuals. Now, to institutions, there's some discussion on contemporary scholars have discussion on debts to institutions. That's not an individual that you're harming. But let's say you owe 30 fidya. Of course, that is a debt to Allah, but you're paying it to the poor. And then you owe, for example, I, I owe so-and-so $30,000 okay, on a business transaction. And then you die. It's against you, that money. All that money, the 30 fidyas and the $30,000 is still against you. You're going to suffer. Your inheritors or anybody else, anybody, not just your inheritors, who knows about this debt, they have the, the, the choice. It's a charity. It's a good deed for them to fulfill that debt, whether it's a debt to the poor, debt to Allah through the poor, or a debt to an actual individual. And zakah can be paid for debts, by the way. Yep. Does that also apply to riba-based loans, say student loans and what have you? Um, the the riba portion would be haram, but the principle would be still against you. So let's say I owed somebody and I took a riba we debt. So the 30000 is the debt and the extra 5000 is his profit off of riba. So the first half only, right? The, the principal part of it. The other part's an invalid debt. Yeah. And so it's not obligatory on the inheritors or anyone to do this, but no inheritor is going to want to see their believe that their dad or mom or brother or sister or husband or wife is not being, uh, is, is not uh, happy in their grave. They're not going to be happy in the grave because they have a debt between them. Even a small, tiny debt. If it's a debt, 
Why? Because there's pain in the heart of the person who's receiving it. If that person doesn't forgive and he's upset about it, that pain, now that pain's going to transfer to you now, right? All right, so that's one of the things. So if someone has fasting, they didn't fast, let's say, and they owed fasts, you don't fast on their behalf. But if they owed fidya, you pay that fidya on their behalf. Okay. Hajj is considered financial and physical. See, salah is all physical. Salm is all physical. Zakat is all financial. Hajj is physical and financial. That's that's what hajj is. So you do have to make up hajj. Or, or a person who didn't make hajj, you would make it up for them. Because it's financial and it's physical. So the financial part takes over. So the actions of the body, we don't do them for the dead after they die. The de their debts. Their ibadats. Someone didn't pray for a whole lifetime. We don't pray on their behalf. right? No, firstly, it would be impractical. Sayyidina Abdul Ghani Nabulsi says, so on the issue of sins, Sayyidina Abdul, uh, Abdul Ghani Nabulsi, one of the great scholars of our, of our ummah, he says that Laylat al-Qadr can wipe out minor sins and major sins because the fadl of Allah is vast, just like Hajj doesn't negate that you saw the obligation of hajj. It doesn't nullify the obligation of hajj or take the place of the obligation of hajj. But he says that Laylat al-Qadr can be the forgiveness of the minor and major sins. SubhanAllah. Okay. Anzalallahu fi fadliha surah kamila tutla ila yawm al-qiyamah. There's surah al-Qadr. Allah has given a, a surah that is recited un until the day of judgment. And anything that is given a surah, a chapter of Quran, that is, there are many, many secrets in that thing. What is this? What is this? When we say secret, what do we mean in that term? That terminology, the word secret means the benefit, the hidden benefits, right? That's the sir. When we say there's a secret in this, that means it's a hidden benefit. That's what we mean by that. Okay. All right. Quick question about Yes. Acts in particular, and I'm sure you're probably going to get to a lot of those. Are there particular acts that are preferred over others? So, um, in Laylat al Qadr. In Laylat al Qadr. Okay, that's a great question. In Laylat al Qadr, the Prophet was described as Ahya Layla. The last 10 nights, he gave life to his nights. And when the Sahaba say that phrase, they mean he did all sorts of ibadat. Hosting people for Sahur is ibadah on that night. You're not limited to one ibadah, recitation of Quran, tahajjud, sadaqat, give out your zakat on that night, uh, etc., etc. Uh, feeding people, having iftar, giving salam to people, visiting the six. Anything that is a good deed, you never know which one is going to be accepted. Right? So that's why ahya laylahu means he gave life to that night. Okay? So um, that's why it's a special night. It's un unlike other nights where it's just like ibadah is. You know, the last third of the night, for example, tahajjud time, there's no ihya illayl. It's just ibadah, Quran, right? Dhikr and dua. Uh, so they also said, they mentioned a second time that Laylat al-Qadr is a night where your next year's destiny begins to happen. It begins and all the seeds are planted. Why is it that Allah has given this to the Ummah? 
because we are the shortest in lifespan. Prophet said, the lifespan, the average lifespan of my ummah is between 60 and 70 years old. Okay. So when you hit 60, you prepare to death for a death. You pass 70, you're in extra time. Now, at this point, you and if you pass 80, you are considered Allah's prisoner on the earth. And the angels, in one hadith, they stop writing your bad deeds. Right? Um, but that's not, we don't consider that. That's like out of generosity, but we don't consider that has any impact on fiqh. It may be true. It doesn't make a difference. On fiqh, your deeds are still your deeds. So you can't, you, all the taklif remains. You don't have... You're not like no longer mukallaf. Mukallaf is obligated by the sharia. You're, you're obligated by the sharia. If that hadith is sound, then what do you have to lose anyway, right? You're not committing sins anyway. So um, also for every white hair that comes out is replaced, a sin is replaced with a good deed. Until everything becomes white, right? And then you are Allah's prisoner on the earth. Okay. So Laylatul Qadr from Anas Al Amalu fi Laylatul Qadri was Sadaqa was Salah was Zaka Afdalum in Al Fisha. Right. Okay. And Laylatul Qadr can change every year. So this is the important, this is the question many people have. They imagine that Laylatul Qadr is connected to a calendar date. So let's say the first revelation came on the middle of Ramadan. Let's say, uh, that doesn't mean it's going to be the middle of Ramadan every single year. No. Right. So Laylatul Qadr can be on any night of the month of Ramadan. And Hassan al-Basri has stated one time that one year it was on the second night of Ramadan. Can you imagine? Right. Because the Muslims at that time were so um, cautious about their deen, they observed it all the time. Whereas, yes, the Prophet ﷺ did say, look for it in the last 10 nights. It could be anywhere, but look for it in the last 10 nights. Then he said, look for it for the uh, in the odd nights of the last 10 nights. And then he said, and then it was Ibn Abbas who said, really look for it on the 27th night, because I read Surah Al-Qadz, has 30 verses and the the pronoun pointing to it is the 27th word uh, sorry it has 30 words Surah Al-Qadr has 30 words in it and the 27th word is pointing to Laylat Al-Qadr Salamun Hiya so he said especially point so that idea of looking for it on the 27th has a precedent but we never say that it is solely on the 27th could be 26, 25th, 24th could be any night okay now here's another question what if our 27th night is actually an error a valid error and it's actually the 26th right so you have to consider that too what if your 27th night there there is an idea of a valid mistake it's valid it's a mistake but it's valid such that we didn't see the the new moon all right back in the old days if people traveled between city to city they would report back Oh, by the way, you're one day ahead or you're one day behind. or Well, it would always be one day behind, right? So you would go and you say like, those people, they didn't see the Hilal. You saw the Hilal. We didn't see it, right? Uh, so we'd be a day behind. And there's a whole fiqh on what to do about that. 
So if someone travels from city to city and region to region. Now, usually this is far regions because on the these nights, people would travel around from city to city and report before Fedra came up. So there's no issue. So it's, it could possibly be that what we assume to be the first of Ramadan is actually the second. Right. So we're one day off. Okay, so that's possible. So why, don't be so hung up unless you saw the Hilal and you're from the early days and you saw the Hilal and Shaban was only 29 days, then you could be more certain. Then you could be certain that this is an odd night. But if it was too cloudy for you and you counted 30 days of Shaban, so your first day of Ramadan may actually be truly the second. But Allah is accepting it either way. right? And you're, there's no sin upon you because you followed the procedures. So that's why nobody should get hung up and say it's an odd night or not an odd night if you had 30 nights of Shaban and you couldn't see the moon. So that's the second thing. Now, could it possibly be that Laylatul Qadr happens one night in one city and another night in another city? And Allahu Adam, but the answer is probably that, that we that the answer is no to that, right? But Allah knows best. What difference does it make, right? I mean, if you're doing your ibadah seriously for all the nights, right, of the last 10 nights, and you're taking them all seriously, then what do you have to lose? That's likewise. The dua is guaranteed in the last third of the night. Now, that doesn't mean the entire last third of the night. That means there is a window somewhere in the last third of the night that it's as if the window to the heavens open, the angels come down, and they accept, take your dua. But if you were to do the entire last third of the night, you calculate from Maghrib to Fajr, the last third of the night, if you did Ibadah and Dua the entire last third of the night, then you would guarantee it. You would guarantee to, 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 to reach that Sa'at al-Ijabah. Likewise, Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr. Okay? Let's just take a quick... If you're on the East Coast, let's take a look at... Since today is Wednesday, let's get my uh, Salah app out. Dhuhr is at 1, so it started already. And Asr is at 4.45. Okay? So 3 hours, 45 minutes. In this period of time, make sure you do some ibadah for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make your dua. Because it's one of the answered uh, times of answered prayers. All right, it's 1.56. we got to be there at 2.30. takes about 20-minute drive. So let's start our Q&A and continue Laylatul Qadr tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala. All right, so let's go to, let's say salam to those who have said salam to us on YouTube, and there are many, right? I didn't realize there were so many comments on YouTube. Uh, Noah, Johannes, Muslim2562, House of Films. I think he's in Nigeria, okay? The Hausa is a famous clan in Nigeria. Then there's the Fulanis, there's the Ebos. they're like the... If there was to be wrestlers, the Evos would be wrestlers. Then I I don't know which tribe, I can't remember which one. They're like very tall and skinny. Right? I have a friend who's uh, who taught me about the five tribes of Nigeria. It's not just Nigeria. The entire West Africa is consists of five major tribes. The Hausa, the Fulani, the Ibo, the then there's two more of the major tribes of of West Africa. And 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 uh they can tell each other right away because they have similar physical traits. I wonder if that's still just the same today because, you know, the cities have mixed everybody up. Okay. The Saracen says, 
The night of November 28, 2002 was the 23rd of Ramadan that year. I experienced some things that night that were very bizarre. Is there anything said about similar experience on that night of Qadr? Allah Adam, if anyone, I don't know if anyone remembers um, the past. But it, 23rd of Ramadan very well could be. And then what are you losing if you're giving the haq to every last 10 nights? Every The last 10 nights for us, it's, it's a very ideal thing. Everything is completely switched. All our night and day is completely switched and we won't even have anything. No streams, no nothing. Okay, so let's see if... Um, yes, go ahead. If your qadr is already decreed by the Almighty, then what is the point of doing all the du'as? Because uh, Allah already knows what will happen. He knows what will happen. Well, the one of the answers is that Allah subhan- no, no effect is created without, without a cause. So when we talk about qadr, the effect is created, the cause is also created. So if the effect is that you're going to get nothing, he creates the cause for that, and that is to have such a belief. Such a belief that, oh, it's all created, let me not do anything. But further, secondly, Allah has revealed to us that we do have a say in, in, in what happens to us. And what happens to us is a, is a set of possibilities. All these possibilities are within the divine will. And there are possibilities that could happen and not happen. So the divine decree is many different things for you. So your divine decree when you're in the car, you could turn left and you could turn right or you can go straight. Or you could just put it in park and everyone's going to honk at you. Right? All of these options, whatever you choose, is the divine decree. Because Allah has written, if you turn left, this is what's going to happen. If you go straight, this is what's going to happen. If you turn right, this is what's going to happen. Could you imagine if you had a computer program with a billion people at every second there was every possibility of what that person could do was written now let me tell you what is the idea of divine decree is that you can't turn up you can't turn down into the street right you can't fly with your car upwards you can only either stay still drive straight turn left turn right that's it there's a built there are other buildings or you could crash in the buildings if you want but you see that you're still limited but that's that limitation of your choices that's the edges of the divine decree you have the choice to do whatever you want in those divine decrees, uh, in those choices that you have. And every one of them is going to be the divine decree. You're not escaping the divine decree. That's one interpretation of it. And secondly, the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that you can therefore increase your wealth, decrease your wealth by sins and, and, and cutting ties with your family. You can increase your rizq by keeping good ties with your family. You can increase your anything good happening to you by dua. You can block off calamities by putting an umbrella of uh, of dua above you. So all of your adaya and your dhikr and ibad will become like an umbrella of, above you. So yes, the, that decree is written. If you have a decree that you can get cancer, do you know how many types of cancers there are? There's a cancer that kill you very quickly. There's a cancer that kill you very slowly. And there's a cancer that can be surgically done and, and, and removed within two months or two weeks or two days, they say immediately surgery, boom, and you never see it again. So I had cancer for two weeks, right? And I never felt anything after that. So yes, you did have cancer. But because of your ibadah and your good deeds, Allah made it so easy for you. As if nothing happened, right? And I've seen people, it must be their good deeds. They had cancer. It was like nothing happened, right? They went, they got it removed, boom. No discussion after that. Alhamdulillah, that must be their good deeds. And other people have cancer and they're like squeezed and battered by this cancer. 
And we say that's maybe that's how Allah chose to remove their sins and elevate their ranks if they responded to it well. So that's the idea of Qadr. You do have so much in your hands because Qadr is many options for you and you have to choose the best one. And Allah never creates an effect. He also He's also the creator of the cause. So, so it's from the Qadr of people. It's it's almost like if, if Allah wants you to, to have to, to fail, it creates laziness inside you, right? So even that is part of our qadr. Even if if Allah wants me to succeed, he makes me read about dua and tahajjud, right? He creates that inside you. That's why the awliya, they reverse things, right? They reverse it and they say, wait a second, are you praying for that? Maybe Allah wants to give it to you. Most likely it's Allah has already decreed he wants to give it to you, so he made you love it. So you will do what you do, but you don't choose what you love. Like, you, you, why did I love this person, not that person? Right? Why did I love, why am I thinking now so much about seeking knowledge as opposed to lifting weights? Why am I so now in, in, into, I love health more so than I love anything else? All right, we have time for two more questions. Noura Ad-Dasalus, um, I don't know what this is real or not because um, I've been accused of all this stuff, but um, I don't know what I'm accused of. So, but she's telling me to fear Allah, so I will fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if she tells me what I said that was uh, some offense to her. But I think that this is something else. Uh, this is some kind of, um, uh, I get these messages all the time on Twitter and I have no clue why I'm being tagged on them. Something to do with Osama Kana. Anyway, let's ignore that. So one should start making dua from Maghrib to Fajr. It sounds kind of impossible. Yeah, that is, uh, Maghrib to Fajr is a long time. But you select a small portion in the last, no, last third of the night. Maghrib, oh, for latest al-Qadr, Maghrib to Fajr. Yeah, we are in ibadah from Maghrib to Fajr. Maybe we take some breaks to eat, some breaks to drink, some breaks to chit-chat. But on latest al-Qadr, in any mosque program, you get there Maghrib, you have iftar there. and you Or you have iftar and you come home, or you come to the masjid, you pray Aisha there. And then they're going to have programming for you all night. There's going to be breaks in between, but there will be programming all night, different ibadats, uh, tahajjud, etc., etc. Okay. Okay. Last third of the night is much easier. You do maghrib to fajr, you divide that up by three, and you subtract that from fajr. How do you know if God is punishing you or wanting good for you? Sarah Meston. Very really simple the way you respond to the tribulation if you respond by disobeying allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then that's a punishment if you respond by not disobeying allah but you you're just so upset about the situation that's a removal of your sins you may have sins that's being removed if you respond by accepting allah's will and trying to find a way to make this how will this make me better in in the in the side of Allah, not just in the dunya, in the sight of Allah, how will this make me better? It's an elevation of your rank. That's how it is. Not just in the dunya, but even with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's an elevation of your rank. Okay. Uh Nura at the yes, I blocked you because you're talking to me nonsense. Okay. No offense. Wallahi, no offense, but stop talking to people and accusing them of stuff and then expecting why they get blocked. Caitlin says, what is Islamic view of coincidence? There's no such thing, right? But we do have 
something called the sudfa, which is a coincidence that doesn't have an impact. It doesn't have an effect. Like there's no result from it. And there is a coincidence that has a major impact that you said, this must be from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? It's, this has to be from Allah. So we, 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 there's no such thing as a coincidence, but uh, in the sense that everything is from Allah, but some things, they, they have a greater impact on you than others. And for example, if I was to, the story of Malik ibn Dinar, he saw in a dream his daughter told him, isn't it time for the believers to humble their hearts for Allah? And then he goes to the mosque to pray for the first time in years. And the first verse that the Imam recites after Fatiha is, So he knows that that's from Allah. Allah has that to confirm that that was a true dream and that I'm on the right track. Right? But other coincidences may not have that impact on you. So, so. We should we should take care of all these things and consider them all. Um, be thoughtful about everything, but not superstitious. Shouldn't be so superstitious because some people can they can go that route. Hbaz three, thank you. He's always making dua for us. Hbaz three, I'm telling you. All right, Nura Dusulus, I'll unblock you. Okay, I will unblock you. I don't want you to get upset, but you. Accuse me of some, I don't know what. Should we do five Shab night praying in last Ashra in Ramadan? What is, uh, explain to me, I am Rehan, explain to me, what is five Shab night praying? Go ahead. When praying in the last third of the night, should we keep our du'a specific for a certain thing and just repeat that du'a over and over again? Yes, uh, it is permissible to, to, uh, Repeat the same dua over and over and over. And Allah loves the one who, who continues to ask and ask and ask because it's showing faith. It's showing iman. It's showing humility. Poetic nafs. How do we balance spending a long time in prayer, making dua and secluding oneself, and to have time and space to do those things, and balance that with helping out in the house of being attentive to parents? Outside of uh, Ramadan, it's a time where you're going to have awrad. This time I do this. At that time I do that. Schedule of ibadah. In the month of Ramadan is a little bit more emphasis on ibadah than leisure, for example. In the last 10 nights, it's a complete... Now, you're not going to do a garage clean-out, for example. On the last, This is a time for imbalance. Everything, balance, everything has to be balanced, even balanced. There's not, there's sometimes it's not a time for balance. Like you imagine uh, an enemy's coming. You, you're a Ukrainian. Putin's coming. Say, so, okay, we have to be balanced. We'll fight from five to seven. And then at seven, we take a break. We play Scrabble, right? We have balance. There's no balance. You're at war, right? So likewise, this is a chance for you to profit and gain everything, okay? And, and so there, there's no balance in the last 10 nights. Okay, I made peace with Nur Adusulus, by the way. Alhamdulillah. We just made peace, right? It's from the dhikr of Laylatul Qadr that we made peace. I rather, why have enemies when you can have friends? Okay. What's the best time to break down to recite uh, a thousand salawat a day? Any time in the day. But I've noticed there's a great effect if you do it before you sleep. Do dhikr before you sleep, but there's a fear. I may delay it. 
So if you do a bulk of it in the day, and then uh, a lot of people use their commute because they, they don't have time to sit down for the dhikr. Of course, that's the best. But if you cannot do that, you do it in the commute. Okay. Secondly, um, a little bit before you sleep, it always gives you a very peaceful and restful sleep. Is it is it bad to listen to Quran or Dua and then fall asleep like you? I don't no, say that's use fine. it. That's good. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, Ayah Levantine, can a Sunni marry a Shia? Can you please help me out here? Uh, I will help you out. The answer is no. And not it's not even valid in some of the madhabs. It's zina in some of the madhabs and other madhabs. It's sinful but valid, but it's sinful. But practically speaking, how are you going to raise your kids? Right. Uh, oh, wow, look at this hadith. Sayyidah Aisha said, oh, sorry, sorry, dear. I mentioned Aisha, right? And she's getting all upset, okay? Oh, my friend Omar here. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, what's your other name? Give me another name, right? What is this, right? It's not going to work like this. How do you have it? First of all, Allah says, At-tayyibun, at-tayyibat, what at-tayyibin? At-tayyibun, at-tayyibat. Pure are for the pure. Is there anyone more pure than Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Right? And Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, caused him... To die on the lap of Sayyidah Aisha. SubhanAllah. And Allah says about the hypocrites, La taqum fihi abada. About the mosque of the hypocrites. And about the hypocrite, Abdullah ibn Ubayim Sadul, Wala taqum ala qabri. Don't even stand in their presence, in the presence of a dead hypocrite. Unbelievable. Don't even stand in the presence of a dead hypocrite on his grave making dua for him. Don't even walk into their mosque that they made. They made a, a, a I guess, fake, new, fake mosque in our parlance today, right? A mosque meant to, 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 to conspire against the Prophet And Allah says, don't even stand there. So not for a second to stand there, not sit down. No, don't even stand there. You think now Allah is going to make his prophet. When he told him that, to die and be buried for a thousand years in the same room with two hypocrites. Because that's what they say about Abu Bakr and Umar, that they were hypocrites. Okay? How would Allah Ta'ala make him, the Prophet Sallallahu die? And be buried for now 1400 plus years in the same room as two hypocrites and die on the lap of a hypocrite. What religion is this? That you that God, he has a prophet. The prophet doesn't know how to pick his wife and friends. Maybe you don't know how to pick your theology, right? So don't even go there. What should I do when I am ignored by my mother and she gets really angry because of academic related things and my brother harshly treats my parents and he tries to engage me with me and talk to me? This is a big one, but inshallah. Um, okay. Um, we have to unfortunately leave. Okay. We have to leave. And inshallah, I will try to get back to this. All right. As much as uh, uh, some of these, as much as possible. Is listening to lectures considered dhikr? Yes, but. A different type of dhikr. It is dhikr for sure. Especially if you listen to the, in the last 10 nights about dua. Listen to lectures about dua. It's so important. What if you have a dear friend who is Shia? Yeah, it, it's, there's no problem with relationships until they begin to impact a person. If it impacts you in a negative sense, then that's a problem, right? So uh, that's how we look at all relationships. Christian, Muslim, Hindu, Shia. We're, we're not out to... Uh, uh, pick fights with people but at the same time we have to protect our deen if it's going to impact our deen in a negative way then 
and what did the prophet say? You're on the religion of your friends, essentially. All right, unfortunately, we have to cut short tonight. Subhanaka today, subhanakallah, bihamdik, nashadu an la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk, wal asr inna insana fi khus, illa alladhina amanu wa aminu salihat, wa tawasub al-haq, wa tawasub al-sabr, and thank you again to Mecca Books uh, and Professors One to One, and don't forget to take our classes on myarkview.org. Wassalamu alaikum wa